0: You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. I have a very simple message for you today, and we're going to read a lot of scripture. Is that okay? Okay. It's okay to, read, to just read some scripture in, uh, in church? That's a good thing, right? <laughs> um, better than quoting any other book, I can tell you that much. This is the only book that will change your life. It's the only book that's alive and, and active and uh, is willing to work right now if we'll let it in our lives. And so I want to share some life with you today. My message is pretty simple. Um, the topic of today is simply this, is that Jesus loves you more. That's, if you get anything, get that today. Jesus loves you more. simple. But I'm going to show you from a, a story in the life of Jesus where I get this from. And I would, I would just pray this, that in, as we look at this story, that you would realize the heart of the Father through Jesus for you. Um, and I say that because I think many times <clears throat> we read stories, especially in the life of Jesus, because there's so many miraculous things that happen. We read these stories and we think, oh, that would be a great movie or that sounds so crazy. I would like to, to see that. But many times we don't uh, see ourselves um, and how it relates to us. We don't see how does that even portray to me? How does that, what is God speaking to me through that passage? And that's what I want to do today. And so if you brought your Bible, I would encourage you to open it. I'm going to have the verses up here on the screen, but we're going to look at John chapter 11. And I'm going to read a story where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. This is a guy, oh, well, spoiler alert, I just gave it away. He raised him from the dead, okay? Um, so I'm going to read this story. And it's, I'm going to read 44 verses today. So um, as I was reading it, I was just preparing and I just thought, um, I could summarize this, or we could just trust God's word is written good enough where we can understand the whole story and the context and everything, right? So let's read it together, and then we'll dive into it. So let's read. Uh, starting in verse 1, it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Martha who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, him being Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus, he loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, this is interesting, He says, it says he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Remember that. We'll come back to it. Then after this, he, again, uh, that's Jesus, said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? Meaning uh, if you go there, they might put you to death. And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said... And after that, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. Meaning he's on his rest bed, right? He's just going to, hey, he's going to lay there for a little while, a few days, and then give him some medicine, and he'll be good to go. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. I love this. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, (laughs) right? He just, let me tell you like it is. Lazarus is dead. Here's what we have to remember, the, the, the disciples at this point, the, the disciples, many theologians, theologians believe that the disciples were still t- teenagers at this point in, in Jesus' ministry. Now we know that Simon was a little bit older, he was married and, and he was a little bit older, but the majority of them were a bunch of teenage boys and so sometimes Jesus had to say, hey, Lazarus is dead, okay, this is how it is, all right, I know I'm speaking to you like this with spiritual wisdom, but let me just put it to you plainly, Lazarus, He's dead. And I'm glad for your sakes, this is what he says in verse 15, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. And Thomas is ready to, he's like, if, well, if they're going to stone Jesus, well, just stone us as well, right? I'm, let's go if we can die with him and we can die with Lazarus as well. Um, here's an interesting thing that we look at the life of Jesus. Jesus' motives. To do things were not because of the, because his friends twisted his arm to say, hey, we need your help. And it was not because of fear of his enemy that he did anything. That's important to note. I think that's important to note for us as well. It was not that even people that he loved dearly were sick or dying that he went immediately as soon as they called. What? He waited. He waited a few more days. It was not when the disciples said, hey, if you go there, they will kill you. They are trying to stone you and if they catch you, it's over. doesn't matter. That did not sway him to go or to not to go. He only went when his father said, I release you to go. And I think many times that's what happens with us. Let me pause here for a second. Many times... We are so in tune with the natural world that our natural beings get the best of us. And that's our motivation to go do something. When God says, hey, are you listening for my voice? Because I accepted this job offer or whatever, but God said, I never called you to that job. I never called you to that career. And if I would listen for his voice, I would say, he would show me an open door that maybe I didn't even see in the first place. But so many times we're easy to jump at something That is just a natural instinct, and we think, I'm going to do that because it seems natural, or it seems like that makes sense. When Jesus is our ultimate example and says, hang on, people are going to come at you. There's going to be positives and negatives, but are you listening for the voice of our Father? Let's continue reading in verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Remember that, we'll come back to it. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and she met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, "Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died." But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you." Jesus said to her, "Your brother will rise again." Martha said to him, "I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day." And Jesus said to her, this is like drop the mic moment, "I am the resurrection." And the life. Man, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and she came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out following her, saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then the most popular verse, if you grew up in church, right? Jesus wept. It's, uh, if you had to memorize a verse, anybody in, in uh, Sunday school had to memorize a verse and you try to pull this one on the Sunday school teacher, right? I got one. Yeah, I can memorize it. Jesus wept. Verse 36. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could, this not, uh, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? And here we go, just a few more verses. It says this, Then Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he's been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you, that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who, have, who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot, And with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth, and Jesus said to him, Loose him and let him go. What a wild story, right? Can you imagine being there? Like, here's one of the things the questions I have uh, from the very beginning is this How long did it take Lazarus to come out? How big is this tomb that he's in, right? Is he back in there? Is he he close by? They move the stone. Jesus says, Come forth. As far as we know, he said it once, right? We talk in 30 seconds. We see him coming out. I'm not, it's, it's probably smelling there. Sometimes they would bury them with other bodies. So there's other, there's other people in there in the tomb. Um, are people running in there to see if he gets up? How long did it take for Lazarus to come out? That's a great question. And I think this, sometimes we want to see it done immediately. But sometimes when God speaks, there's a moment of time where we still have to stand in faith. God speaks a word to me. And I'm expecting Lazarus come forth, and I'm expecting him to come running out. But he's still bound with his grave clothes. It says his face was covered. He can't even see where he's going, right? He came out. So obviously there's a moment of time, sometimes I would just encourage you in this, if you prayed for something and you haven't seen the answer yet, don't lose heart. God's word, as we talked last week, it cannot return void. It always produces fruit. And I would challenge you to continue to stand in faith, speak God's word, And whatever thing that you need to come out of that grave, whatever thing you need that maybe was dead to come back to life, it can come back to life in your life when we stand in faith. But here's what I want to show you today. The first point is this. It's the title of the message. Jesus loves you more. Jesus loves you more. And here's what I want to show you. In this story, this is so good. And this has changed my prayer life. When I pray for myself, when I pray for other people, this has drastically changed my prayer life. Jesus loves you more. Let's look at verse 3 again. It says this. And John eleven three. 3, therefore the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. He whom you love is sick. Here's what's amazing is they didn't appeal to Jesus. They didn't come to Jesus based on Lazarus' love for him. They appealed to Jesus based on Jesus' love for Lazarus. They, they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, he whom you love is sick. What they didn't do is they didn't come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know Lazarus, the guy that, that, you know, is doing really good, who's living really righteous, who's, who's helping share the good news about the kingdom, who's, who's helping us in, in spreading the kingdom, who's doing really good, who's always making sure he's going to church and, and praying this amount of time every single day, who's always doing all the right things. He is sick, so you need to go and save him. I think many times that's what we do. We come to God, and when we come in prayer, we come so desperate, thinking that God, look at how hard I've proven myself, look at how much I've been in church, look at how I I worshipped you, look at how I've done these things for you, so please answer me. Like we can somehow compare to the love of the Father for us. Can I tell you, Jesus loves you more than you love him. I need, I, I, God needs us to understand that because it drastically changes the way I pray for myself and the way I will approach God in prayer for someone that I love. Let me show you a passage from Romans, Romans 8 and I'll show you a little bit more. Romans 8 says this, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean... He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or are destitute or in danger or or threatened with death. Verse 37, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Let's go to verse 38. It says this, And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus loves you more. Even in hardships, even when life is difficult, remember, God loves you personally. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And here's what I would say. My tone has changed when I start praying for myself and when I start praying for my family and people that I love. When I start praying for people in our our church who have needs, what happens is I change the way that I pray and I say this. God, Heavenly Father, Lord, the one who you love is hurting The one who you love is sick. The one who you love is broken. The one who you love is lost. You may pray for somebody who's far from God, who is not living and walking with our Savior. And you can bring that petition before our Heavenly Father and say, God, the one whom you love is far from you. Here's what that does. Does that manipulate God into answering our prayer? Absolutely not. Here's what it does. It gives me confidence in my prayer because it reminds me of Christ's love for me and Christ's love for his people, that it is so deep, that it is so vast, that it is so great that he is longing to come and to show his glory, which we're going to talk about in just a second. He wants to show his glory in your life, your family's life, and whoever you're praying for. He is longing for that. But what he wants is he wants this connection, He wants to show us his love. But so many times we get a a religious spirit and we think, man, I've checked every box. I read my Bible mostly, you know, most days this week and I went to church and I haven't missed church in in so many months or whatever. And God, I'm doing my best, so please answer my prayer. And God's saying, "Why why is that the foundation of your prayer? God's saying, your relationship with me and my love towards you and your love towards me, that's the foundation of our relationship. God's not looking for us to be religiously perfect. We're going to mess up. He wants us to walk in righteousness and holiness, yes. However, he just wants to show you a glimpse of his love so you can have some confidence in what he wants to do in your life. Does that make sense? Let's continue on. Point number two is this. Jesus always reveals the heart of the Father. He always reveals the heart of the Father. When you look through Scripture, and as you read through the Gospels, and if you're ever like, I don't know where to read, read the Gospels, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, and then read a proverb, it'll help you, I promise. If you read, that, read a chapter of both of those every single day, and it's going it's to bless your life. It, can, it cannot n- not bless your life. And so um, I would say this, as you read through here, everything that jesus says and does his word in jesus said i only do what the father tells me to do and I only say what the father tells me to say and so it shows jesus the life of jesus he is the walking talking will of god and so he shows us the heart of the father and here's what i want us to see in john 11:33 it says this it says therefore when jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping he groaned in the spirit and he was troubled He groaned in the spirit. A little bit later on, a few verses later, it says he groaned again within himself. This word groaned is defined in the original language as this. This word is used to express anger to indicate a speaking or an acting of deep feeling. This is literally Jesus gritting his teeth and groaning within himself at the situation at hand. And so I think many times, again, we have painted Jesus in this, this soft uh, this soft light when you look at pictures and paintings of Jesus, right? Was he, is he the Prince of Peace? Yes, he is. Uh, does he love us greatly? Obviously, he does. However, when it comes to spiritual attacks against us and when it comes to things that are not his will, it shows us here in the heart of the Father is this, that he groans within himself. And the best way I can describe this, my pastor growing up, he, he described it like this. It's like a stallion horse who is snorting and, and pawing at the ground. In anger, this stallion horse that is, that is snorting and pawing at the ground. And, and, and as a human, have you ever been in those moments where you just have to grit your teeth because you, you just, you're, you're just tense and you just want to do something about whatever the situation is? That's this moment with Jesus. He is, and, and for the stallion horse, what would happen is, They would do this as a sign and as almost as a warning to whatever it is they're angry against. It's a warning sign that a larger reaction is about to occur. Meaning if you don't stop, the stallion would paw its foot and snort like that saying, if you don't stop what you're doing, stop coming close to me, whatever it is, if you don't stop, I'm going to do something. There's a larger reaction that is about to come and I'm going to deal with you. And that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus, can I say something? Jesus hates death more than you do. Jesus hates death more than you do. He hates it so much that this is what he's doing in this moment. He's gritting his teeth. He is, he is groaning within himself with such righteous anger. And he's doing it as a way of saying so much so that it's recorded here, right? He's not speaking words, but he's groaning so much that it's even recorded twice in this, this passage. And he's saying, by his actions, I am going to show you the heart of the Father and this is not it. I'm going to show you the heart of the Father, and this is not it. Why is he doing this? Because just a a chapter before in John 10, he says a profound statement that we've all most likely have heard this one way or or another. John 10, 10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come, this is Jesus, I have come that you may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. More abundantly. God, That's one chapter before. And guess what? He gets the news then one chapter later. Hey, the one whom you love, Lazarus, he's dying and he's dead. You missed it. If you would have been here, you could have done something Jesus. Here's what abundantly means. Abundantly means this, super abundance, (laughs) excessive, overflowing, surplus, Over and above, more than enough, above the ordinary, more than sufficient. What Lazarus has just faced does not equal abundant, does it? What about for his sisters? Here's where I think we need to be careful. Jesus shows the heart of the Father. And many times, with a good heart, trying to learn how to mourn for someone and to grieve for someone that was lost before their time, we say things like, well, God needed another rose for his garden. And I get it, right? We say that, we say that. Because we want to find a way to make ourselves learn how to live with loss. But can I tell you, that's not a verse in the Bible. And so I would just say, anytime we speak on God's behalf, let us be careful that we speak in a way that honors his word. Because I can say things, and I, you know, Maybe you've said that in the past and I'm not bashing you over the head, I'm just saying we say things out of a good heart to help because we don't know what to say. I don't have, you know, you're in the hospital and somebody died and there's before their time, they were too young. What do I say, right? And we're looking for something and our flesh just tries to wrap it up in our mind. But Jesus shows us in John 10, his heart and his heart is the heart of the father. And Jesus shows us in John 10 that there's a little G God of this world who hates your guts and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But here's the other thing that we see. When Jesus groans in himself, it's not just that he's getting ready to deal with death because it's not the last time he's going to deal with death. He's going to crush. Death, whenever he goes to the grave and he is raised again, right? He's going to defeat death. It is the final enemy for him. But here's what's going to happen is he's, he's saying, I got a battle right here that I'm, that I'm going to address. He's groaning for that. But I think he's so moved with emotion. The other side of it is he's so troubled almost at their lack of faith of his disciples. The lack of faith. Let me say it like this. I believe that Jesus was also troubled at the way they failed to remember his faithfulness. He was so moved that he would groan within himself at the way they failed to remember what he had done. They'd been with Jesus. They've seen Jesus. They've walked with Jesus. They've experienced the miraculous. They've seen it with their own eyes, undeniable move and acts of God. They've seen it. But how many times did they, whenever things happen they hit the panic button I don't know what we're going to do Jesus, don't go there they're going to kill you Jesus, if you don't do this we're in trouble he was troubled that they would think that anything was impossible for him <laughs> they'd been with him they'd seen him do many signs, many signs many miracles and he's saying how long must we walk together before you believe me over your circumstance how long must we walk together and this is what he's saying to us today how long must we walk together before you choose to believe me over your circumstance and in our natural mind that's foolish that seems foolish well i I might get fired tomorrow i might lose my job tomorrow I got a sickness, and the doctor says I'm, I can't get past it. He's giving me just an end date. That by this amount of time, I'm not going to be on this earth anymore. And Jesus reveals the heart of the Father because He's saying, How long must we go together when you would choose to believe these other things before you choose to believe me first? Don't panic. Pray. Don't panic pray he's I think so many times Jesus when we face things in our life and we want to panic he's looking at us and he's saying do you not remember son do you not remember daughter when you were lost but I found you when you were broken but I healed you when you were addicted and I freed you when you were fearful and I brought you peace when you were trapped in your sin and I came and I set you free do you not remember If anything that you have is that he saved you, (laughs) which is more than enough. Do you not remember? If we would just take a moment to stop and if the disciples, it's easy to criticize them, but I'm saying we're, we're in the same boat. If we'll just take a moment to just step back and say, if he could do this, this, and this, and if he did everything in this book and he did, he can do something for me. He can do something in my life. He can move in my life. And I don't care how impossible it may seem, I don't care how impossible it may seem don't panic pray let us not be the same way that, that Mary and Martha were in this story Mary and Martha were amazing disciples but in this story how many times have I come to the feet of Jesus and I said Jesus God if you would have been here that wouldn't have happened God if you would have just acted they would still be alive And I don't have all the answers necessarily for when we pray, we pray with faith. That's all I know. I pray in faith and I pray that God is going to do the miraculous. You may be in here and maybe you've lost some people in your life, some loved ones in your life. Let me remind you that even in the heartbrokenness and in those moments where you feel so alone, Jesus loves you more. We're in a spiritual battle and there's a lot of things that are going on. But never never doubt how much God loves you. Because here's what can happen. If you're facing a difficult situation, here's what can happen. This is the final point. I'll wrap up. Believing plus obedience equals the miraculous. If you're facing the impossible today. Let's do some let's do some basic math from this story. Believing plus obedience equals the miraculous. Let me show you. In John 11, going back to 39 and verse 40, it says this, Jesus said, take away the stone and Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time, there's a stench for he'd been dead four days and Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God and here's why this is significant. He says, take away the stone four days. This is extremely significant in this story because at this time, it's, it's extremely significant that Lazarus had been dead four days because the law at this point, the law taught that through and up even to, almost to the third day, that the spirit remained with the body and that there was hope for a resuscitation of life, that they would come back to life. So up until the third day, there was hope. Maybe they believed the spirit stayed nearby, that maybe, He could come back to life. Maybe he he did go into what we would know now as a coma and maybe come back to life. Maybe something could happen. And now, do we understand why Jesus said when they brought him the first news and he waited two more days, he knew? Because he wants to show up and not just do the impossible, he wants to do the extremely impossible. He can show up a day after Lazarus is dead and do the impossible, but someone would come in and say, well, yeah, according to the law, the spirit, and so Jesus wouldn't get the glory. The spirits don't, maybe they came back to life on their own and they could try to debunk it rather than, now it's been four days. Yeah, he's stinking it up in there. But Jesus said, do you think that's greater than me? You don't think I have authority over that? You don't think I can come into this situation and do whatever I need to do that the Father tells me to do through the power of his Holy Spirit? Jesus is saying, do you believe? If you do, prove it. I would like to see this. Who who moved the stone? Here's the second question with the stone. If they didn't move the stone, does Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? And that's the question for us today. Sometimes I'm believing God to do the miraculous in my life, and I'm believing, but the second part is obedience. Do I have the faith to move the stone, whatever that represents in your life, so that God can do the miraculous? Sometimes we're just waiting, and we're waiting for God to move, and God is saying, I'm waiting for you to move. I've given you an action, and you've disobeyed me, and you've ignored my voice, and you've put, you put walls up, and you're not even listening to me, me anymore. And he's saying, son, daughter, please, if you would do your part, I will do my part. And my part is the impossible. Your part is just the natural. Sometimes we have some natural things that we must do in our life. Move the stone, take the stone away. And he says, if you believe, did I not tell you, right? If you believe that you would see The glory of God. What's the glory of God? It is, the best way to describe it is this. It's the full weight, literally a weight of who God is. The full weight of who God is. It's his majesty, it's his power, it's his presence like you've never experienced it before. It is the full weight of who he is. He says, if you believe, you will see it. You will experience it. And so what hopeless, dead, or impossible situation are you facing right now? If you believe, and if you do what his word says to do, Jesus is saying to us today, You will see my glory. You will see my glory. So, the message today is so simple, and I don't apologize for it, because I, we need to get a hold of this. Jesus loves you more, more than you can ever comprehend. Ask Him this week to remind you of His love, to show you His love. Jesus hates death and He hates loss. It angers Him. He hates it more than you do. It makes Him groan within His spirit. And I would pray this, that that we would feel the same righteous anger to destroy our spiritual enemy, whatever may be coming against us this week or even right now. And when we need a miracle in our lives, don't forget His faithfulness. One of the best things that Leslie and me do, mainly Leslie, she's better at it than I am, is over the course of a year, we have what we call, I think we got it from Pinterest, it's like a, it's just a mason jar, we call a a good things jar. And throughout the year, as good things happen in our life, it doesn't matter how big or how small, we will tear off, Leslie will tear off a, a piece of paper, just a scrap piece of paper and she'll write the date and she'll write the good thing and then she'll put it in the jar. And one of our best traditions that we have as a family is at the end of the year, at the new year, we get that jar out and we, we open it up. And by the end of the year, it's full of good things because it can just be little things that are good. And we just spread them out and we put them in order. And all we see is the highlight of what God did in our year. And we just laugh and we, and we praise God and we look at things that happened and doors that opened or doors that closed that we shouldn't have done. And now we have perspective and all of it is just to say, God, you're faithful. And last year and, and parts of this year, we had faced some tough times. We've lost a, few, a couple pregnancies in the last year, towards the end of last year. And uh, it's tough to not have perspective and remember God's faithfulness if you don't have a tangible way to remember his faithfulness. And for you, maybe you don't have a good things jar. That's okay. You got the best one ever written right here. And if you don't have it, you can't think of the last thing God's done in your life. It's right here. Just open and read. Just read Psalms. Just read the gospels. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever who was and is and is to come. And whatever you need, Believing plus obedience equals the miraculous. Believe him and do your part and God wants to move in your life. Jesus loves you more. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. God, right now, I just pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I pray for everyone here, everyone on the podcast or the the YouTube channel listening to this. Lord, I just pray right now. After we're looking at your word, I pray that right now you would speak to us in our hearts, that you would speak to us and remind us of your love, remind us of your faithfulness. Help us remember if we're facing a trial, if we're facing a difficult time, help us remember the last thing you've done for us. Help us remember all the things you've done for us. Help us have faith in your faithfulness. Help us remember that you love us so much more and there's nothing that we could face in the spiritual or the physical that will separate us from your love. Your love is greater. It's so much higher. It's so much deeper. so much wider. It consumes us. And God, we pray that today it would consume us and it would change us and it would free us and it would put us back on solid ground. In Jesus' name. You keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. If you're in here today and you'd say, Pastor Dan, I need to experience that love for the first time. Maybe you're in here and you'd say, Pastor Dan, I've I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. Or maybe you did it at one time, but you've fallen away and you've kind of just begun to do your own thing. But you need to recommit today. You need to get serious today. And you need his love today. Holy Spirit speaking to you in your heart right now. If that's you for either one of those, you want to commit your life to Jesus or you want to recommit. Would you just simply, I'm not going to embarrass you, but would you raise your hand? I just want to know who we can pray for. Just raise your hand, just high enough for me to see it. And you can put it right back down. If that's you today. I want to recommit. I need to I need to commit for the first time. Praise God. Here's the second question. If you're in here today and you would say, Pastor Dan, I need prayer for a need in my life. I need prayer for finances, for wisdom, for my job. I need prayer for healing. I need prayer for a need, whatever it is, no matter how big or how small. Again, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just want to make sure we know who we can pray for today before we wrap up. If you need that, would you raise your hand? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see these hands. I see that hand. Anybody else say, hey, that's me. Once you raise it, you can put it back down if you want. Say, that's me. I need prayer today. I need prayer today for something. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Would you look up here? We're going to wrap up service as we always do. We have one final song. We put this song here for a reason. First thing is this, if you you need prayer, now's your chance. We're going to have our prayer teams up here. And I would encourage you, get out of your seat and come get prayer. Everyone in the room is cheering for you. No one's judging you for getting prayer, okay? I've called a lot of people this week requesting prayer. So (laughs) ain't nobody judging you here. Prayer with other people and other believers is the smartest thing you can do. It's the best thing you can do. Get out of your seat and get prayer. If you should have raised your hand for that first question to commit your life to Jesus or recommit and you didn't, but the Holy Spirit's still dealing with you in your heart, would you step out of your seat and just come up and say, hey, I need to recommit or I need to commit my life to Jesus today. Our prayer team will, will pray with you and believe with you that God will do the miraculous in your life. The second thing we do is for this time is that we sing this last song as a way to reflect on your on your cards today. It says the reflection question, action step is this. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message What are you going to do about it? Belief plus obedience equals the miraculous. Take some time in these five minutes for this last song and reflect on those two questions right there. What's he saying? And what am I going to do this week? Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.